Hey everybody, this is Dan here. You're listening to Grimdark Battle Station, the show that takes sci-fi too seriously and has a recurring fantasy where we polish a space marine chaplain's crozius. This week's topic takes place in the universe of Warhammer 40k and is one of those issues that keeps coming up in lore conversations across the internet. It's about day-to-day life in the Imperium, where the grim dark and the grim derp meets the practical realities of running an interstellar empire. We're going to talk about Achievable jobs for a baseline human. Not jobs that nobility could get, not jobs that people with superpowers like the Astartes or Psychers can get. Jobs that you can achieve or aspire to realistically if you're born on a bell curve world in the Imperium and you're not horrendously mutated. Effectively, what we're going to look at are the best or least awful jobs that you and I can get if we were transported some 38,000 years into the future. So neither Astartes nor Servitor are going to be on the agenda today, but there are quite a few interesting and, and for some people even living today, preferable jobs that you can have in the Emperor of Mankind's glorious Imperium. So let's jump in and see about how likely you are to enjoy and or die slash be demonically possessed in the best jobs that this universe has to offer for an average Joe like you and me. First things first, a little bit of lore housekeeping. Even if you don't collect Warhammer 40k, read the books, or watch any of the content on Warhammer Plus, if you've been listening to our podcast, or if you're a nerd like me, you probably know a fair bit about it. But for those who don't, it's a futuristic sci-fi setting that is so catastrophically dystopian that it's often called Grim Dark, or Grim Derp, depending on your persuasion. Humanity is fighting an endless war against itself, aliens, and demons for survival as our lord and saviour, the god-emperor of mankind, clings to half-life on his golden throne, preventing the universe from imploding and all human life being extinguished, or worse, being turned into demonic playthings. To enable the survival of the system he founded in the 30th millennium, a giant theocratic nightmare has has been constructed over 10,000 years across a million worlds controlling trillions of souls and fighting a never-ending battle against insurmountable odds for our collective survival. Obviously then, if you live here, life is an eternal struggle, and you're generally lucky to not die in a horrific manner and live past the age of 40. In a lot of cases, you're going to work in a cold factory for your entire life 18 hours a day and be fed reconstituted humans as rations. It is the perfect exploitative bureaucracy. However, we know that bars exist, hotels exist, recreation exists. There are a lot of generic infrastructures and services that would not need to exist if you had people in perpetual 18-hour-a-day servitude but very few religious days off. And indeed, mandatory religious services, which if you skirt, you might get burnt at the stake for being a heretic. That's where the moniker Grim Derp comes in, 
We read a lot of stories about these horrific conditions that people work in, and generally speaking, it's painted as if this is the majority of the human experience, but for that to be possible, the Imperium probably would have failed already. Or at the very least, we see the dizzying highs and the mutated lows, but there's probably a large, relatively mundane middle class. Any empire that's so big it raises armies and loses them and controls military forces in the billions is going to have to have enough people that are unmutated and healthy being born all the time and living lives and raising children such that they can fight those wars. You cannot build up an elite class of soldiers without soldiers being born into soldierly families or people surviving long enough to impart wisdom in old age to new recruits. There is of course many exceptions to this. The Kriegers are probably VAT-born clones or some other weird thing, but the majority of Imperial Guard regiments are probably raised from relatively normal non-mutated populations and if they survive in the Guard they might live to the ripe old age of 80 or 85 before an Orc comes and tears them to pieces, or a Tyranid comes and tears them to pieces, or a Necron comes and disintegrates them into pieces, or Chaos comes and adds extra pieces to them where they didn't have pieces before. Irrespective of how awful it is, there's going to be a lot of people who live relatively fulfilling lives, or at least not lives as horrific as working in a factory 18 to 20 hours a day, 7 days a week until they die at the ripe old age of 40, like some sort of Victorian novel. Which is why we're going to count down the top 5 mundane middle jobs that you and I can aspire to. Jobs that would either give us a higher chance of a good life, or a lower chance of a horrendous death. And coming in at number 5 is a job that's probably boring as hell in a location that's probably quite wonderful. We're going to be an administratum drone on a garden planet. So what is the administratum well it's a giant bureaucracy the likes of which you've never seen like we said before they can raise an army they can lose an army they can censure planets and take 500 years to carry out punishment they can make an incorrect calculation on some paperwork and end up giving someone an extra million crowns or credits or whatever the currency they use is on their particular planet of choice you're part civil servant, part Vatican employee. However, you are working on a garden planet, and a garden planet is effectively an underdeveloped, pristine ecosystem, and this is by design. With some exceptions, like Katachin, which is a technically a garden planet that's used to develop Arnold Schwarzenegger tier warriors who battle the native flora and fauna that want to eat them. Generally speaking. A garden planet is a recreational or a nature-specific planet by design and is tightly controlled in its development. If you've ever read the Ravener novels, there is a garden planet there, Malfi, that is uh, the generic idea of a garden planet, right? It's got lush fields, rolling hills, no pollution, beautiful skies, palatial estates, etc., etc. And I suppose the difference between a garden planet, which we're going to talk about, and a pleasure world, is that a pleasure world is given over to all manner of fun and adventure that the imperial nobility and elite can engage in, which will eventually lead to a Slaneshi cult being founded and a chaos incursion, 
but not before you've been hunted for sport in some sort of dangerous game by an inbred noble. Yes, the Garden Planet's point is to be used for and by the elite, but the point of the planet existing is to keep it pristine. They want it to be kept pristine. Interestingly enough, in lore, it's shown that Garden Planets produce more quote-unquote well-rounded people who are used in more higher stress situations. Rogue traders, strategic planners, uh, high administratum functionaries can come from Garden Planets. It's generally seen as a more laid-back, relaxed atmosphere where people are raised to be calm and collected and relatively robotic in the monotonous tasks that they carry out. Thankfully, by the grace of the immortal god-emperor, our job is to maintain the garden. We have a set schedule, set activities that we carry out, a controlled environment and a slower pace of life that's beholden to nature, its requirements, and the requirements of the planetary government, which will be relatively sparse and genuinely interested in you performing your job to the best of your ability. You will probably deal with hazardous chemicals and all the things that gardeners do, but again, they value the lush green grass more than they value expediency. They might not value your life as much as they value the grass, but you will have a calmer, less chaotic, in the general term and in the sci-fi 40k term, life than the average person. It will be lower stress, but not low stress. You'll have a healthy environment. Your world will be richer per capita than most worlds. You'll be more important per capita than most worlds. And you'll have better infrastructure than most worlds. You might not have super highways, but the infrastructure to get people on and off planets, the habitation infrastructure, the tools you use to do your job will be some of the best available. The work you do will be set and meticulous. In a universe and a political system where being able to keep your head down and not rock the boat is very advantageous to not getting executed for heresy, this is fantastic. Finally, because your world is pastoral by design, the local Arbites, the Imperial Narc Brigade, will not really be bothering you all that much. Of course, all of these things also come with downsides. You are an incredibly attractive target for Xenos that need biomass, for example the Tyranids, a, a lovely lightly defended snack for them, and of course Grandfather Nurgle, the Chaos God of Death, Disease, Rot, Rebirth, Plague and Pain, who in the Dark Imperium novels took over the planet Ajax, which was being used as a recuperation and medical centre for Imperium units fighting in the Plague Wars, and turned it into Pestiliax, a horrendous nightmare of death and disease. He's certainly not going to turn down the chance to corrupt pristine landscape. And speaking of pristine landscape, that's richer per capita and more important per capita and really good infrastructure. You exist solely for the whims of the powerful. And yes, that's true on every other world, but you have less chance to hide from it here. You are one in 10 million serfs instead of one in 100 billion. You can be targeted a lot more readily. Especially when you consider that your neighbour is most likely an Inquisitor who has an estate on this beautiful world. As a last point, insofar as you have any upward mobility in the Imperium, 
you have even less on one of these worlds, simply because it's going to be you and the elite. There isn't really going to be any way you can climb into their ranks, and if you're a gardener, there isn't really going to be a head gardener job open up every 10 years. You're probably just going to toil away until you die. At least if you were in the Astra Militarum, you might get promoted or go get sent on a nice training mission or get to retire somewhere else. You're sort of front-loaded with the niceness, but it's a general level of nicety that you will never rise above. On that topic of rising above your station, there are certain instances where it's no bad thing, which leads us to number four in our five least shitty jobs in the Imperium, being an engine seer on a backwater planet. Engine seers are effectively engineers or technicians from the Adeptus Mechanicus, the horrifying cult of tech bros that is an equal partner in the Imperium with the Imperium of Man. They believe that the flesh is weak, innovation is heresy, free will is an optional subscription service, and that a reward for a job well done is having pieces of your body removed and replaced with cybernetic enhancements. They run the machinery of the Imperium, war, logistics, food, power, everything. If you become upwardly mobile here, you will lose your humanity, both physically and mentally, as a reward. So when you start out shitty, you can maintain the status quo by staying shitty at your job. That job, of course, being a mechanic that isn't allowed to problem solve. A mechanic that follows a strict manual, including praying to the machines and how you're working on and the tools you're working with. They're present everywhere, fixing everything. But for our purposes, we'll say they're assigned to a PDF engine pool on a low population world fixing Chimera armored personnel carriers. You can live your entire life doing this, being this mechanic. Being unpious is a benefit for our plan here. Minor cybernetic enhancement will keep you pretty human. We have a great example of this in the Kyphus Kane novels where Felicia is a character on a backwater planet who's effectively just a mechanical engineer who isn't rising up in station because she's not seen as pious enough. She maintains the vast majority of her human faculties and personality and pretty much just kind of has to go to church and, and fix machines. And there are a lot of upsides to this, right? You become part robot. That's really cool. You might get like laser vision or, in her case, a prehensile tail. Uh, you become immune to the outside scrutiny of the Imperium, of the Inquisition, of the general planetary government. Technically, according to the Treaty of Mars, you're a sort of equal partner in this whole Imperium thing, but you belong to the Adeptus Mechanicus. You get to mess around with machinery all day, you get to tinker, fair enough you don't get to innovate, but you get to do a pretty cool job and you work on probably some pretty important machines. As a result, you have a longer lifespan, probably better access to food or nutrient paste, as the case may be. Which is overall not a bad gig, right? You might live to be 250 and you fix armored personnel carriers for your entire life and you really only have to fix these machines, say a few prayers, light some incense and anoint sacred oils on the Gatling guns before they go off to war. Yes, you have the same chance of being killed in an invasion by anyone else, but you're also on a backwater planet, so you're not going to be a huge target for chaos cults or anything like that. Bonus points if it's relatively inhospitable and resource poor, especially because you might be part robot and able to survive in those bad conditions. And speaking of bad conditions, well, yes, you become part robot, but you might have to become even more robot, losing your humanity and 
ability to enjoy life, speaking in binary and looking like some weird science project gone awry. And although you're outside of the scrutiny of the Imperium and the Inquisition by and large, you do face intense religious scrutiny internally. You have to worship the cult of the machine. You have to at least pretend to believe that the flesh is weak. You have to work towards goals and do the proper chants and incantations and whatever it is to make the toaster pop toast in the morning. That machinery that you work on is what you're going to do all day pretty much for the rest of your life. You can't have a life outside the cult and you can't innovate. You might get moved to a different piece of machinery, but that's highly unlikely because it's probably inefficient to train you up. You have to really park ambition to pull off the swindle. Now, of course, if the choice is being a cyborg that's torn apart by rampaging orcs, or, you know, parking your ambition, it's a pretty easy choice for most people, but it's still a downside worth knowing. While we're on the subject of getting torn apart by aliens, number three on our list is being a chapter surf for a nice Astartes chapter. Note the key word there, nice Astartes chapter. Space marines need to be greased up to get into their armor. Their guns need shining, their food needs cooking, their robes need washing and ironing, their chapter worlds, monasteries and ships need crewing. To be a chapter serf is to work for the space marines as a political entity. You are effectively an indentured servitude for a bunch of space marines. Which, if you are indentured to the Ultramarines, could be quite cool and you can rise very high in your station. If you're a chapter serf that's indentured to the Imperial Fists, it'd be very tough. You'd probably be ignored and seen as a non-entity. And uh, if you were a chapter serf for the Flesh Terrors, it might just be one long series of wedgies or being killed for no apparent reason. You do what you do in a normal job in the Imperium, but your boss is usually there by merit. And irrespective of merit, they're going to be good at their job. That's a lot more than you can say for Imperial society in general. You'll probably have better food, but again, it will be practical and suited to the situation. Yes, you probably have access to good crops and healthy nutrition, and your boss is competent, but your boss is also a militaristic space monk that's two meters tall and is constantly off fighting and has a giant target on his back. Not to mention he can rip you apart with his bare hands or accidentally sit on you and kill you. Knowing all this then, the job we want is a, is a secretium. That means we polish relics and hold incense burners. We work for the chaplain of the Space Marines chapter. Chaplain is effectively a religious and spiritual figure who helps out with morale among the Battle Brothers, religious or political ceremonies and general counsel to the leadership. In some chapters, they believe the Emperor is a god, so you'll still have to do all the ecclesiarchy nonsense that you would have to do. In other ones, it's just a semi-spiritual role where you'll just be holding some incense or anointing sacred seals, saying prayers to bolters, etc, etc. Sounds good to me. We'd have better living conditions and security. I'll put an asterisk beside that. You get to hang out with oiled-up monkmen, which is always great fun. In many cases, you can probably have a family who will also be indentured servants of Space Marine Chapter, but you have a lot of freedom in this comparatively. You'll be well-fed and taken care of. You'll get military training. 
And by design, you're not allowed to go out and be in danger away from the fortress monastery or the chapter homeworld or wherever in particular you're working. Now, the downside, of course, as mentioned, is that it's a coin toss on the niceness. Yeah, you might have a family and work as a relic polisher for 150 years before you die and your son takes over from you, but you also might be made trudge through barren wastelands of newly conquered worlds and die from exposure because your space marines won't give you shoes. You are secure because you're locked away and you have to hang out with oiled up monk men all day and be subservient to them and they can be really creepy and weird. You're an eternal serf and your military training is given with the understanding that if you are attacked, which is quite likely to happen, you have to fight to defend your fortress monastery or your home world or whatever the case is. Trouble is going to come looking for you. So yes, you'll get up in the morning and you'll polish a crozius or two and you'll fill the incense burners and you'll say a few prayers. But the Black Legion might launch an assault on your fortress monastery before breakfast. You might be absolutely eviscerated. Or a Terminator might sit on you when he's trying to get into a drop pod and you'll get squished. It's not safe. But it's safer than, for example, living on a hive world or living on a general world that doesn't have seven foot tall transhuman soldiers to defend it. Your leadership is not going to make as many boneheaded or corrupt decisions as your average planetary government, and you likely have the best kit that can be afforded to you. Which is why it comes in at number three. The ability to have your own bolt gun when you're facing the only orcs is quite advantageous if the alternative is not having anything to face down the orcs or just having a single poorly manufactured lasgun. Speaking of weapons, number two on our list are the Adeptus Sororitas, or to be more specific, the Order's Famulus of the Adeptus Sororitas. Now the Adeptus Sororitas, aka the Sisters of Battle, are commonly thought of as the militant arm of the Ecclesiarchy, the Imperium of Man's Church. But there are three order orders outside of the orders militant of the Adeptus Soriatus. Sororitas? Soriatus? Space nuns, whatever. Orders Hospitaller, who are medics. Orders Famulus, who work in political intrigue. And the Orders Dialogus, who work with scholarly activities such as translation or language work. At the end of the day, these four arms are orders of the Adeptus Sororitas have four specific roles that are quite similar but offer you a choice. You can fight chaos hand to hand, you can fight chaos plagues in the infirmary, you can fight chaos cults in the nobility, or you can transcribe chaotic books. Not a great choice, but remember there's variety and there's also a bell curve we're trying to fit into. Not every noble is decadent, and not every planet has enough going for it to be in a state of unending intrigue, invasion, or crisis. As a sister of the Order Famulus, your job is to be a political, social, and administrative supervisor for noble activity. And we put advisor in quotation marks there, because really, you're a spy for the Ecclesiarchy to help maintain genetic a religious and political stability within the imperial ruling classes. The best thing about this gig is that you're not seen as an outsider, or at least not seen as a nuisance. The Ecclesiarchy has done such a good job with integrating you into noble life 
that your presence is seen as a status symbol in and of itself. You get to deal with marriages, courtly intrigue, and general politics, and you're well regarded and trained to it in a high degree. You have great levels of institutional knowledge, and you are probably trained to kill many people with your bare hands and have access to high-tier armor and weapon. On a given day, you might arrange a trade deal, arrange a marriage, counsel a noble on running their household, tutor somebody, kill somebody with your bare hands, attend fancy parties, lead religious pilgrimage, call in extermination squads of your sisters from your old college, etc. etc. If you're really lucky, you might get a road trip to find an imperial saint, also known as a demon of the emperor, where you will judge if these people are truly touched by the emperor's light or heretics that he'd exterminate. You are effectively a member of the Bene Gesserit order from the Dune series, so you get to live the high life. Your education and training is the best in the galaxy. You have huge amounts of influence and goodwill with external military backing. By design, you're meant to foster stability, so if you do your job well, you'll be in a safer environment. You actually have the ability to influence your own safety at the macro and micro level. The problem with this, though, is that you have to hang out with nobility all day, and the nobility are usually the ones that make a world descend into absolute chaos. They will inevitably dabble in demonology, human sacrifice, and all the things that will bring chaos and destruction to a world, quite literally. This is obviously a result of the huge amount of power they have and the excess that they live within, and you do get to live the high life, but you don't get to do the cool excessive bits of the high life. Like, if they start just hunting peasants, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do any of the cool things that lead a planet and its nobility towards eternal damnation. You're also beholden to religious zealots, so you have to do your prayers and be a good little space nun. It's not going to be perfect. This is aside from stating the obvious point that you are target number one for chaos uprisings because you are going to be one of the most effective symbols of imperial stability on the entire planet. And sisters of battle or not, you're unlikely to be able to survive if the rot has gotten too deep. But you do have the skills, power and backing to stop that rot from coming. You have agency, which is a lot more than we can say for the vast majority of people in the Warhammer universe. One group, though, that you can absolutely not say is lacking in agency is our number one job here, which is to be the stooge of a rogue traitor. The most powerful class of baseline human in the galaxy. They are hereditary nobles or imperial heroes who have been given a license or warrant of trade to roam the unexplored or unruled parts of the galaxy. You are allowed to trade, explore and make war with anybody in the name of the God Emperor of Mankind. And your authority comes directly from the Emperor, which legally means it cannot be challenged by anybody. Inquisition, the Awakened Primarchs, and High Lords of Terra notwithstanding, of course. Sounds like a sweet gig, right? It is. Because even during the Plague Wars and the Era Indominus, where the galaxy was split in half and demon princes roamed the stars, killing untold billions of people, a large number of rogue traders were summoned to Ultramar and told to get the hell out of Dodge. Their service to the Imperium was going and colonizing worlds away from the fighting. 
Their job was to get away from war, which in Warhammer is a very rare thing indeed. Of course, you and I can't be one. At least not easily. We're not going to be rogue, rogue traders, right? But we can be one of their stooges. If there's a job in the Imperium to be had, navally or trade-wise, a similar one exists on a rogue trader ship. The difference is the conditions, wealth and freedom will be a lot more than it would be in the Imperial Navy or planet side. You're still definitely an indentured servant, but there's more meritocracy and agency than there would normally be because your boss cares about efficiency more than piety and glory more than industrial quotas. Provided you're not his or her personal bodyguard or one of his soldiers, you can have a pretty good job. Let's say we're going to work in logistics and the cargo hold or be the crew chef or a map reader or an auspex technician. You know what? Let's just say we're a forklift certified cargo loader who works aboard a rogue trader vessel. Our domain is a cargo hold the size of a football stadium. Our tools of the trade are those robot walker things from the alien movies. We're smoking drugs in a space Amazon warehouse with our buddies flying through the stars. We have long periods of inactivity where we'll probably carry out general ship maintenance and cleanliness activities but won't have to do our real job. We'll have good pay and conditions, discounting the void sickness and periodic demonic incursions into our brains. And every once in a while we'll return to civilized space and possibly have to do some random other shit but you know most of the time we're hanging out meeting aliens and going on cool adventures we have a non-zero chance of getting to play with xenotech and not being executed that is the rarest thing a baseline human like you or i could ever hope for in the imperium of man now of course there are some downsides as we mentioned we're moderately likely to be eaten by demons or aliens. We have to own up to that fact. Might be awesome work, but we're going to spend our entire life living on a dark void ship with periodic returns to quote-unquote civilization where we might actually be forced to stay on the ship. The random conditions and whims of our boss might have us invading a planet populated by nine-foot-tall space gorillas. If he wants to put a gun in our hand and tell us to do something, we have to do it. He can kill us with no consequences. And the other thing is that you know well the perverted Imperial nobility will demand weird shit that you'll have to load, unload, that might kill you or make you permanently blind or permanently smell like crap. We just don't know what's going to happen. Sure, there's glory to be had or at least trickle-down glory from your rogue trader boss, but you're going to have to do a lot of weird stuff that the average baseline human would never be exposed to. So why then is it number one, if it's so dangerous? Well, first of all, although it's rare to get the job, there's a lot of different jobs available, and it's a meritocracy. You'll earn better, eat better, and live better than 99% of everybody. You might even live better than a sister famulus, or the most noble and well-appreciated chapter surf in the Space Marine. You get to go on cool adventures all over a galaxy that's locked down where many people will never even leave their planet. More importantly than anything, rogue tradership as a, as a license might not be a meritocracy, but the crews sure as shit are going to be because the rogue trader is going to go with the people that make him the most money. Yes, there'll be internal politics, but you could always rise above your station 
And that's more than can be said for most jobs in the Imperium. I found it quite interesting looking into all these jobs, because you see in a lot of social media posts that many people don't like the grim dark and the functional realism mixing together because they like everything to be static or in a box. But I think Warhammer 40k does it well. Everything is awful. It's a horrible nightmare, but there are shades to the awful. Billions will rise and fall, but will rise again. The Imperium is a bloated corpse, but it's not decomposing. It's a bloated, eternal corpse. You can have whatever flavour of horror and hope that you want, and it'll be explicitly valid in the lore and in the setting. If you want to imagine never-ending planet cities that are horrific to live in and replete with violence and mutation and demonic incursion on the regular, you can. If you want to imagine a forest world where some of the Imperium's best scout soldiers come from, you can. You can have snow worlds, sun worlds, you can have anyone doing any manner of job having any type of life, and you can make it more human or more fantastical, depending on what you like in sci-fi. The aesthetic will always be completely depressing, but it will also always be completely interesting. All that being said, if you transported me to the world of Warhammer 40k, and I knew what I know about it from the lore, I would immediately kill myself, because I do not want to be taken over by a demon, and I do not want to be boiling down humans to turn them into food for other humans. The exception, of course, is if you make me a perpetual, in which case I will just go around causing mischief, dying and being reborn over and over again, having a great time. Which brings us neatly to the end of this week's podcast. I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to Grimdark Battle Station, especially new listeners, as our analytics is showing. There's there's quite a few of you now, and we really appreciate you, especially going back and looking at the back catalogue as we try and get better with our product as time goes on. If you'd like to help us out, you can certainly feel free to drop us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice. And if you want to reach out and chat with us, we're available at the underscore GDBS on both Twitter and Reddit. Our next few episodes are going to be about the Empire in Star Wars, whether authoritarianism is always inevitable in the galaxy as it stands. Uh, how big of a droid army could Elon Musk field? Uh, sci-fi tropes that need to die and some that don't. Uh, hive cities in Warhammer 40k and finishing off with ab humans in 40k. Uh, talking about ratlings and ogrens and squats and other lovely bits and pieces. After that we'll have to come up with some more new ideas but that should bring us right into early summer. So until next time remember to keep your hobbies fun and dumb. Because if you don't, you'll never get forklift certified in space and you will be a loser forever.